Welcome to another edition of the Cyber Air Podcast. It's from Lockdown, Volume 8, People Like Us. This week our journey takes us to a very special beer festival in the Danish capital Copenhagen. And some beers from some interesting breweries. This week we are off to Copenhagen, People Like Us. Beer52's Richard Crowsdale catches up with the brewery that's reinventing the job market for those with autism. Denmark's People Like Us is an important project in the beer world, whose success shows what can happen if you swap old-fashioned charity for a genuine understanding of and belief in the people you're trying to help. Founded in 2016 by brothers Lars and Jesper Carlsen, Lars was, at the time, an educator and mentor of people on the autistic spectrum many of whom he realised had a special kind of talent, yet struggled to find a way of contributing to mainstream society. Lars says, I developed a real curiosity around why those people, whose minds work just a little bit differently, weren't getting on better in society. Why they couldn't find jobs, why they were being excluded, even when the work we'd done together had been excellent. Then I started asking, how could we run a business that did things differently? The idea of starting a brewery with autists in key roles seemed to Lars like the perfect vehicle to explore the idea. Unconventional roles could be created to play to individual strengths and together they could create a high quality product which people would want to buy for its own sake rather than out of charity. It was a struggle at first getting people to trust a company with diagnosed people. Could this really work as a business? The first positive interest came from outside Denmark, particularly from the US and UK, where the Guardian newspaper ran an article on what we were doing. That gave our 2017 crowdfunding round a boost. The first small batch of beer that Lars brewed as people like us was a huge success, selling out practically overnight. We ran out of beer, so I went to Mikkelborg Bielsu, the founder of Mikkeler, who was very helpful and is still helping us to this day. He shares his organisation with us and also puts us in touch with The Proof who started contract brewing for us, giving us a much larger capacity and greater control over our processes. Mikkel's been a great source of help and advice whenever we've needed it. It's so great. Yeah, this is the guy who runs Bickler. I've heard good things about him. Apparently when you get to know him, he's a really nice chap. He's always happy to help out other people. And you should recognise the uh, name The Proof because one of the uh, beers I had out of the last box was uh, also contract brewed at The Proof. Brewed in collaboration with The Proof, anyway. Anyway, back to people like us. Another key development was the appointment of our head brewer beer developer, Rune Lindgren, who contacted Lars in 2016 to ask if there was an opening. Rune got in touch to say he felt he had to be involved with this project because he himself had been diagnosed with Asperger's. He already had years of experience from his previous role at Birigrit de Schelvbrig. Apologies, let's uh, put that through the translator. Jivelbridge. 
apologies if I get the pronunciation of that wrong. D-J-A-V-E-L-B-R-Y-D. Diabolbrook. So we really found this perfect fit. Now I'm fairly sure, just go off on a tangent a sec here, um, there's a beer reviewer I follow on YouTube from Barry in South Wales, named Simon. And he's sort of really big name in the beer on YouTube. He's done lots of collaborations with breweries, both in the UK and abroad. And I'm fairly sure that Rune comes into his his live videos. I've probably interacted with this guy at some point or another in one of Simon's videos. Anyway, back to this. I'm, I diverge again. Rune's been with us from the start, designing recipes, and he now does almost all of the collabs and the brewing. He's also in regular contact with Mikkel, jamming about ideas, what's right, what kind of beers we should be doing, that sort of thing. It's really a creative partnership, says Lars. The beers themselves have always been truly excellent, with the style both distinctive and yet clearly influenced by Mikkel. I remember first encountering the brewery at 2017's annual Icelandic Beer Festival and being blown away by its creativity. It's important for Lars that each of the beers tell a story and has meaning for his team. Possibly the best example of this is People Like Us Dancing Series, inspired by the brewery's in-house dancer, Bjarke Ustergaard. It may have been strange for a brewery to have a dancer, but from the start it's been core to who we are, creating jobs that allow people to share their talent, says Lars. So we had Bjarke, who was a good dancer, but couldn't find a way into the job market. So let's make a dancing beer. Fortunately, he thought the idea was stupid, but amazing. The first beer in the series was Cha Cha Cherry, which launched at Mikkeler Beer Celebration Copenhagen in 2017. I was at that one. I'll have to look back to see if I've drunk this, I'll tell you in a minute. Followed by Tango, a Berliner Weiss with Mango. Its new brand dancing beer, Spontan Goes Spontan, a collaboration with Mikkeler, is a spontaneously fermented beer with bergamot, bergamot. So I've just looked back through my untapped record and I didn't have the Char Char Cherry at Mikkela 2017, but I did have it at Mikkela 2018. And I wasn't that impressed with it, unfortunately. thought it was okay, but just sort of average mid-range cherry beer. I gave it a two and a half out of five. That's a little bit below standard for me, but at least I tried it. And the money from the sales goes to a good cause. And the other thing was, I was going to tell you what bergamot was, wasn't I? Bergamot orange. The bergamot orange is a fragrant citrus fruit the size of an orange, with the yellow or green colour depending on ripeness. So it's about the size of an orange, but it looks like a lemon or a lime. Genetic research into the ancestral origins found bergamot orange a probable hybrid of a lemon and a bitter orange. Extract has been used to scent food perfumes and cosmetics. Use on the sin can increase photosensitivity, resulting in greater damage from sun exposure. The word bergamot, is B-E-G-R-A-M-O-T, is entomologically described from the Italian word bergamotto, but ultimately of Turkish origin, Bayamadu or Bayamut, the prince's pear or the prince of pears. So there they are, so that's what bergamot is. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've heard of bergamot before, but I um, wasn't entirely sure what it was. 
Right. We will come back to people like us a little later in the show, just before I review their beers. But for now, let's head to New Zealand. Our first beer comes from the other side of the world, with a name obviously inspired by an American rap outfit. This is Yeasty Boys. This comes off the Yeasty Boys website, and I'll tell you what, this wasn't easy to find. Who are Yeasty Boys? Yeasty Boys is a deliciously irreverent brewing company, and quite possibly the world's smallest multinational. We take beer and people very seriously. Everything else is unmitigated fun. We brew at opposite ends of the earth, in New Zealand, Australia and the United Kingdom, to keep the world of beer in good balance. And I know this because I happen to have my ear to the ground a little in what's going on occasionally in the world of brewing. JK, who used to be the head brewer at Marble in Manchester, in I think it was 2018, could have been 2017, but I think it was 2018, moved to Scotland to head Yeasty Boys UK operation, who are gypsy brewing out of Brewdog's plant at Ellen. So whether this has come from the UK operation or whether this has come from the actual New Zealand brewery, I'm not 100% sure. So, what beer did I have from Yeasty Boys? This was actually a collaboration beer. So I'll tell you a little about the brewery they collaborated with. This was a collaboration brew with Utopian Brewing, who are, I think, from London. So a look. Devon. I knew it was somewhere in the south. So, Utopian Brewing from Devon. And this is what it says on their website about them. Utopian Brewing have created a new brewery in picturesque mid-Devon, celebrating British brewing and incredible lager. Britain has a great brewing heritage and we plan to add to that with our lagers that are designed for everyone who wants a better choice than international mega-brews. Brewed in a classical way, but using our modern brewery, we make lagers that are interesting and of the highest quality. But first and foremost, easy to choose and enjoyable to drink. Our ambition is to create some exceptional premium lager brewed with top quality British ingredients to give people a choice that goes beyond current craft beers and big brand lager. Our lagers will be innovative, flavoursome and most importantly delicious. There are 31 commercially grown aroma hop varieties in the UK. British aroma hops include such notes as tangerine, citrus, grass, grapefruit, chocolate, blackcurrant, spice, pepper, apricot, marmalade, mint, honey, floral and molasses. Try saying that fast. The UK is the only country to focus so strongly on disease resistance, making our British hops both environmentally friendly and inevitably more appealing. Very few British hops are irrigated making them some of the most environmentally sustainable hops in the world. The best malting barleys in the world are grown in the maritime climate, which beyond the British Isles are few and far between. Within this, the soil type also makes a marked difference. The best soil for barley is simply described as loam over chalk. Within the UK, this can be easily identified as the Inconid series which stretches from South Yorkshire right down to the tip of Salisbury Plain. You can go to their website utopianbrewing.com to find out more about them, where you can order their beers. 
let's see what I thought of this brew that was a collab between. So we're going from one end of the country to the other. Quite literally, we have a brewery located in Elland, Scotland, and a brewery located in the far south of England, in Devon. This one is gonna be interesting. Just gone beer o'clock. It's quarter past beer o'clock. It's quarter past nine. My first beer out of this new box comes from Yeasty Boys in New Zealand and Utopian Brewing in Devon. A 4.8% American dark ale. It says dark orange cocoa happy. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. And I've got a dog out here and she wants to go back in. Okay, okay. One moment guys, I'm going to let the dog back in. She wanted to come and sit out with me and now she wants to go back in. Typical dog. It's getting a bit cold for her out here. It is getting a bit nippy now. Sun's gone in. Right, where was I? Oh yeah. Dream sequence, American brown ale. 4.8%. Ah, she wanted to go for a drink. Yeah, Yeasty Boys and Utopian. Ooh, this has actually got chocolate in it. Ingredients, water, malted barley, hops, cacao husk and yeast. I've got my World Beer Festival glass. Let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. Before I do that, I'm going to read you the description from Untapped because I've got it all loaded up ready. Anyway, a dark brown ale, surprisingly clean and refreshing, with an intoxicating whiff of chocolate, toasty malt notes, and a gentle hint of fruity hops. A delightful drinkability. Here it comes. There we go, that's enough for taste, for reviewing. So will this be a dream sequence? Or a nightmare sequence. Let's find out. Mmm. Yeah, I'm definitely getting chocolate. I'm getting it says orangey, doesn't it? Um yeah. Dark orange cocoa. I'm definitely getting the orange. I don't know what the orange is coming from. Mmm, that's interesting. It's got a one finger, foamy tan head, it's leaving good lacing on the glass. Let's get this down me and see what I think. It's a little bleh, little nondescript. Not overly impressed with that. I forgot this was a dark horse. Trying to get a light in the dark today. I might have to swap out my next one for something else. Well, that's doing nothing for me. There's, it's very watery. It's not much to it at all. I am going to give that a 2 out of 5. That's not my thing at all. Sorry, guys. Alright, I'm going to head back in. Do my next one at the table. Alright, cheers, guys. Thank you for listening. From New Zealand via Scotland, we're coming back to London. Meet the brewer. Jaeger Wise Wildcard Brewery, written by Beer52's Katie Mather. At the start of these articles, it is customary to crack open a beer before sitting down on an upturned cask to chat to an industry-leading brewer about what's on their mind. Unfortunately, as we're all too aware, drinking together isn't possible right now without a screen and distance between us. So when I called Jaeger Wise for a chat, knowing a little sadly that we couldn't meet up for a beer, it was funny instead to hear her excited voice nod straight into a talk of a new beer she's working on as soon as she picks up the phone. I'm so excited about this beer we brewed for International Women's Day for Beer 52. It's going to be amazing, she said. It's a double dry hopped IPA brewed in tribute to Ada Lovelace. 
She was a poet and brilliant mathematician, and she did pioneering work in computer programming. Prior to her, science had been very logical and analytical. She combined science and creativity to think outside the box. We decided to pay tribute to her as a scientific trailblazer, because history has a habit of forgetting the achievements of women. It's this sharp compulsion to sport and champion throughout the beer world that's led Jaeger to become one of the industry's leading spokespersons. Now a regular member of BBC Radio 4's food programme, chatting about all things food and drink. Jaeger can also be found in the judging panel of national beer competitions and winning plenty of awards of her own too. She was made Brew of the Year 2018 by the British Guild of Beer Writers. On top of her brewing credentials, she's an activist, speaking out against sexism in beer, raising awareness and pushing for inclusivity, diversity and support. Jaeger made a total career change when she set up Wildcard Brewery with friends and fellow homebrewers William Harris and Andrew Berkby, moving from the world of chemical engineering to brewing in 2012. I asked if there had always been a desire to build a brewery big enough to spread her beer and messages of welcome further and further afield. No, she laughs. Honestly, I was just excited to get some cheap beer. I fell into it. It wasn't something as specific as that. And that's the true story of how award-winning wildcard brewery came to be. But it's grown from a fun collaboration of friends who just want to make more beer to become one of the country's favourite breweries. What does Jaeger feel has been the secrets to that success? I think a steady hand is really important, she says. And we've had the same core team from day one. Barely any personnel changes. William and Andrew remain directors at the brewery. That's great because it means people are happy here and it's also strengthened us. All that time working together must have meant growing together too. Jaeger agrees. I'm a much better brewer now in 2020 than I was in 2012. It's important to keep writing papers, collaborating and growing. We've just completed our 1,200th brew and at the moment we're making the best beer of our lives. We're smashing it right now. Oh, well at least you didn't say killing it, I hate that term. The core team has to trust each other and that sometimes means trusting each other to throw out a beer that isn't right. It doesn't happen often and the temptation can be to blend it or fix it in other ways but I'd always say don't. Just get rid of it. Start again. Get it right. Wildcard now has a solid core range, but their specials range is a real highlight. Home to their decadent raspberry chocolate donut stout and the silver gold medal winning New England IPA, Jaeger also flexes her love for sour beers here. At the time of writing this, her lime vanilla voice was sounding pretty sensational. I asked if the changing taste of the nation for tart flavours meant she'd be shaking up the core range to include a permanent sour fixture. People are really into sour beers, but will they ever enter our core range? That's a hard no. They sell as well as many of our specials, but our specials are a premium product. They're all about keeping things, well, special. Our core range are delicious everyday beers. We focus on them for being affordable and accessible. Clearly accessibility and affordability are important to Jaeger and the Wildcard Brewery team. I come from Nottingham and my family aren't rich people. For some people it's just too much to spend £6-£7 on cans and I can completely understand that. That's why we make sure that there are beers made with just as much care at a cheaper price point and why we make all our beers available in thirds from our taproom. We want people to be able to come to our taproom and be able to afford our beer. Even if you can't afford a full pour of a special, you'll always have the option of a third to get a taste of it. Making sure people feel welcome is huge to Wildcard too. We brew in Walthamstow 
and over the years since we started, it's been so gentrified it's unreal. It's important to keep an eye on not excluding people. We made a sorrel saison last year. Sorrel is a big bright pink flower used in Caribbean culture related to hibiscus and different to the types of sorrel herb found in Europe. So many Caribbean people were coming to me and saying, oh God, you've made this thing, I'm going to come find that. And these were people who wouldn't normally come to a brewery, or they weren't often in a brewery, and it welcomed them in, just by choosing an ingredient that is popular to their culture. It's important to have a diverse beer industry. It's important in every sector, and it's something that's really recognised within the engineering and technology sectors. Different experiences breed different ideas. If you want to get the best beer in the world, you're probably better looking from a group who are diverse than you are looking from a group of people who've all grown up in the same place, in the same area. I couldn't end the conversation without a burst of admiration for Jaeger's regular appearances on TV and radio. Are there more plans for more broadcasting in the future? Yeah, I'm one of the lead presenters on the food programme this year, and so I'll get quite a few episodes coming up, which is really exciting. Just the most fun in the world. You get to travel around the world speaking to people about food and drink. It's just the most fun. I absolutely love it. And it kind of came about slowly. I did one thing and then another thing and then another thing. You just have to take opportunities they come up, don't you? I'm loving life. Upcoming beers. Drum roll please. Jaeger Wise has revealed details of a wildcard beer they're working which sounds totally dreamy. We will soon be bringing out our Cashmere IPA. I honestly think it's the best beer we've ever made. Cashmere is the name of the hop we use. And it's so silky, so delicious. It's everything Cashmere would be. We actually did it as part of Brewdorf's Collab Fest a few months ago. And I've managed to get a hold of a little more of this hop. Because I swear this is the best thing I ever did. And this hop is really hard to find. Because it was in Collab Fest, most of the beer went out across Europe. So we didn't get to try much of it ourselves. So I managed to get hold of this hop and we're making it again. And if you want to try Wildcard Brewery, they've recently opened a web shop. You can go to www.wildcardbrewery.co.uk slash shop. Hey guys, welcome back. Oh, here we go. My next beer up comes from Wildcard Brewery in London. Unite Tribute IPA. And it, what it says on the can, it says on and tap. So it'll be really easy to read it from here. Brewed on International Women's Day, a collaboration between hundreds of women from across the brewing industry. This hoppy, hazy IPA is a tribute to English mathematician and writer Ada Lovelace, who is widely celebrated as the world's first computer programmer. So, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. It's 5.4%, it comes packaged in a 330ml can. Let's get it out into my glass, this time my Salopian Brewery glass, and see what I think. Whoa! I barely listed the tea tab. This is extremely, extremely fizzy. Alright, there we go. Wow, it's bubbling out of the top again. Alright, there we go, that'll do. Let's get this down and see what I think it is. It's a hazy golden colour. Oh wow, it smells of passion fruit and tropical fruits. This smells good. Cheers everyone. Mmm. Oh, that is nice. Nice, sweet, juicy, fruity. 
Oh, I do like that. I do like that. Yes, yes, yes. Lose a little bit of body on the back end, but the carbonation makes up for it if you don't swallow it straight away. Mmm. Doesn't tap say it'd be interesting to know. Maybe it'll say in the magazine. It'd be interesting to know which Brewster's actually collabed on this. You know, I've seen ratings of this from three and a half to four and a half. On untapped from my friends. Average from my friends is 3.34. Average rating worldwide is 3.66. Yeah, I'm liking that. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. That is nice. I'm liking that. It's 5.4%. Mm. Yeah, really juicy, really fruity. It's got like tropical fruit. It's got like pineapple, stone fruit. Um, they're a little bit of lime zest. Um, you know, sort of tropical fruits and sour fruits. Alright. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening on the beer show and we're all wave. Cheers, everyone. Have a great evening. Stay safe. So from London, we're heading back to Copenhagen. I'll finish the article on people like us brewery out of the Beer 52 for Mint magazine. And then I had two beers from people like us. This particular project is quite crazy because we started two years ago and we didn't know how far we could take it. But now Bjarke is dancing with a royal ballet dancer and Mikkel is doing beer with us. And we have Aaron Dresner from The National doing our music. And that's how it should work. That's how we can get our people with the diagnosis into beer, into the story and into the projects in a way that creates jobs. I note that Lars has been deliberately referring to the people with diagnosis during our conversation. I've been very focused on autism because that's where we started to work, he says. But I have recently met some interesting people from the Danish army who asked me, if you can work with people with autism, why can't we work with war veterans with PTSD? It's a great question and really got me thinking. So we've started to create some other projects for people with that diagnosis and have found they could support each other and they could coke each other. It's quite amazing. People like us currently employ 60 people, 90% of whom have some sort of diagnosis. But Lars has been keen to stress that it is a for-profit business, not a charity, and can compete with other breweries in terms of perfecting and selling its beer. As of two months ago, our strategy was to grow our exports this year, the target on eight countries by the end of 2020. Obviously, because of the coronavirus, we've had to delay that. But it's still our next step, said Lars. Ultimately, though, I hope the more successful we become, the more other companies will see us and learn from us. Because anyone could do this, you just need to trust the people you're working with, playing on their talents and their potential, rather than trying to shoehorn them into unsuitable roles. That's the way. We've ended up with a lot of people who are dedicated and exceptionally good at what they do, probably better than you or I. Get curious about other people. You may think you've got nothing in common, but if you would take 10 to 20 minutes talking to someone, I promise you will be inspired and see they have something to say. So there we go. That's a little bit about people like us. So we're going to finish the first half of the podcast on two beers from people like us. I'll read you the untapped descriptions for them. Tea Party is a 6.5% cream ale brewed in collaboration with Flying Couch Brewery in Copenhagen. And it is a green tea cream ale. A refreshing cream ale with loads of character, brewed with green tea, which gives it a warm and a nice aroma. The second in our beer trilogy. So, let's see what I thought 
of a green tea aisle. This is going to be an interesting one. Hey guys, welcome. Here we are again for another night of beer reviews. It's beer o'clock here on the beer show on Wirral Wave. The 9th of June 2020 and tonight I have for you a can of beer that sounds really really weird. This is People Like Us. We're heading to Denmark, to Copenhagen, the People Like Us Beer Festival. This is a can of People Like Us Brewery Tea Party. Cream Ale with Green Tea. This beer was developed by Mikola and Stefan van Maren from People Like Us. And this is actually a triple collab between People Like Us, Mikola and Flying Couch. All based out of Copenhagen. And it says green tea cream ale. A refreshing cream ale with loads of character brewed with green tea which gives a warm and nice aroma. The second in our beer trilogy. Recipe developed by Mikola and Stefan van Maren. Usually available in 33 centilitre bottles and 30 litre kick eggs. And this does of course come in a 33 centilitre bottle. It has a use by of 3103.21. So I've got my World Beer Festival glass so let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. This is going to be a weird one. It really is. Uh, contains barley, oats and corn. Wow it's made with corn this one. Right. Well, it can't be as lively as that thing I had last night. There we go. Ah, relief. Cracked that one last night, and I got to this stage, and it all throffed up and came up around the rim, and buried the uh, key tap. Right, it's out into my glass, and see what I think of it. So there it is. It pours a dark golden colour, quite hazy, with a one-finger foamy white head. Let's have a smell. Mmm, smells a little bit fruity, a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of tea. I don't, not really that experienced with green tea, so I don't really know what green tea tastes like or should taste like, so. Right, let's get this down me and see what I think. Cheers, guys. Mmm, that's uh, interesting. Very thick, very bitter. Quite creamy, little bit of fruitiness in the background. Mm. Mm. You know what, that gets better the more you drink it. I wasn't overly impressed to begin with. Very bitter, which I wasn't quite expecting from a creamer. That's not bad. A little bit, um, quite a lot of lupulins in there, very much a lemony hop taste. But you know what, that's not bad. I'm going to give that three and a half out of five. Respectable mid-range rating. But that's your can. It's green with some sort of arty bespoke lettering on it. Cheers guys. Have a great evening. And my final beer for this half of the podcast was an exclusive to the Mixed Box. It was an oatmeal stout called Oats of Disobedience. 
and there's no description for it on Untapped apart from it saying it's a 5.3% oatmeal stout. So let's just see what I said in the review. Hey guys, welcome back. 9th of June 2020, it is beer o'clock. Exactly beer o'clock. And I have tonight a can of people like us. <laughs> Out of disobedient, oatmeal stout. And I'm going to try and read what it says on the back of this can. Because there's no description for it on Untapped. Got a best before of 18th of the 3rd, 21. And it says, the world order is invisibly changing. We consider ourselves freer than ever before. Yet our concept of normality is rapidly restricted. Every day a little less is tolerated. Marginalisation paralyses new kinds of people by the hour. To transform the world, social rebellion is crucial. I think it actually says critical, but crucial works as well. So there it is. Similar can design to the other one. A colour with lots of geometric shapes on it. So I'm drinking out of my Salopian brewery glass tonight for this one. So let's get this out into the glass and see what I think. There we go. Wow. Pours a deep black colour. It has a one two finger foamy tan head. Mmm, good nose, nice sweet chocolatey nose. Mmm. Awesome. That smells alright, that does. There we go, that head's now come down to one finger. Would hold up with a light, but it doesn't much light. It's it's less black, more very dark brown. And you hold it up to the light. Right, let's get this dammy and see what I think. Not literally, of course. It does spoil this nice blue shirt I'm wearing. Mmm. Wow, there's not much to that. I was expecting a nice thick creamy oatmeal stout and mmm, very bitter. It's not like a oatmeal stout I'm used to. Um, no, not sure on that. Pity I was looking forward to this one, but I'm not, not keen on that, I'm not sure of that one. Maybe I've kept it too cold. As that stands, I'm not overly impressed. Sorry people like us. No, what little flavour there is really thins out. Um, I'm going to give that a 3 out of 5. It's okay, but it's not the best oatmeal stout I've ever had. It could do with a little bit more something to it. A little bit more oomph, so to speak. Alright, that is me done for this week. Cheers guys, have a great evening. Stay safe, and I'll check you soon. I've been to Copenhagen twice for the MBCC. The Mikula Beer Celebration Copenhagen. But I also went around Copenhagen and did a few things and went around various places. And of course Hans Christian Andersen comes from Copenhagen. And there is a big statue to him actually on Hans Christian Andersen Boulevard. And there's a park with a big statue of him in it. Um, I think that's in the castle grounds, in the grounds of Christianborg Slot. Slot seems to be the Danish word for castle. And I went out and had a look around Christianborg's slot as well. That was very good, very interesting. I like going looking around castles and things. I enjoyed that. And the main street through the centre of Copenhagen is named after him. 
But the Danes don't call him Hans Christian Andersen. They call him H.C. Andersen. So it's H.C. Andersen Boulevard is the main street running through Copenhagen. And the statue of him says H.C. Andersen on it and everyone who mentions him says H.C. Andersen. No one says Hans Christian. Everyone calls him H.C. There's a botanical gardens in the university that's free to get in. Which is nice, it's a good walk around. Copenhagen's a lovely city. Bloody expensive, but a lovely city. There's the University Botanical Gardens, which are free to walk around and they're bloody massive. You know, you can take an hour or two walking around the gardens. And within the gardens is a, um, oh, what's it called, what's it called, what's it called? Um, big indoor place where you grow plants, not a greenhouse, bigger than a greenhouse. They've got one in Liverpool in Sefton Park. Um, Palm House, that's what it's called. They've got a big palm house. And unlike the one in Liverpool, this one is full of plants. And you can walk around it and there's different levels and you walk around through the plants. And it's really cool. Next to the palm house is like a square. And in this square, there was a mobile cafe. So I was feeling a bit thirsty by this point. I've just been in the hot steamy farmhouse so I went to get a cup of coffee from this place I'm going to get a cup of coffee from this place but they also sell their own brand of beer so I bought some beer from them as well which I've still got at home somewhere that I've got to review and I asked the lady who runs the cafe why H.C. Anderson why not Hans Christian Anderson and you know because we'd, we'd got talking about various stuff and we'd come around Hans Christian Anderson and I said why H.C. Anderson? I've never seen him referred to as H.C. Anderson before. Everywhere else is referred to as Hans Christian Anderson. Just a, it's just easier to say. It doesn't take as long. Something to that effect, anyway. I don't remember exact words. This was four or five years ago now. But, yeah, something like that. Anyway, that was the gist of what I was getting at. Sorry, that little anecdote just dead-ended, because that's not going anywhere. I'm just I'm just killing time. This podcast's going to come out very short because I've got little information. So I'm just nattering on about bugger all at present. Anyway, the botanical garden neither here nor there. I just thought it was a nice little anecdote to throw in. Hans Christian Andersen is, of course, famous for writing The Little Mermaid. This is where I'm going. Hans Christian Andersen is famous for writing, amongst other things, The Little Mermaid. Apologies to anybody out there who thought it was Disney. The Danish for The Little Mermaid is Den Lille Havfru, which translates as The Little Half Woman. The Danish calls her Half Woman. Anyway, there's a big statue of The Little Mermaid down on the waterfront in Copenhagen. I did manage to get a little bit of a photo of it and a little bit of a selfie with it, but it's a massive tourist attraction, so there were so many people at it both years I was there. But it's a hell of a walk from my hotel out to the Little Mermaid was about five miles because it was at the exact opposite end of the city. And one year, I think the year before I went for the first time, somebody defaced it 
by painting a red bra on it like the Disney version. So it had to be taken away and cleaned up. Anyway, I am babbling now because I'm trying to kill time because I don't have enough content to fill a podcast. This is going to be a shorter podcast this week. The point of this little anecdote about Copenhagen, both of these little anecdotes about Copenhagen, is our midpoint music this week. I was trying to decide whether to go for a rock band from Copenhagen, who are very good, but I'm going to go, I'm going to take a punt, and I'm going to go for something a little more risky. I don't normally do commercially released songs, however, as this is Copenhagen, I'll make an exception and hope I can pull it off. Our midpoint music this week comes from Californian rock band Train off their sixth studio album entitled California 37. The album was released on the 13th of April 2012 and was the last to feature drummer Scott Underwood before he departed the band in 2014. This particular song was released at the opposite end of that year on the 27th of December 2012 and is quite topical at present because it name-drops Johnny Depp. In what I can only comprehend is some sort of foggy reference to Pirates of the Caribbean. This song is called Mermaid. Can't swim so I took a boat To an island so remote Only Johnny Depp has ever been to it before
we start part two of this podcast at a brewery in South East London. This is Gypsy Hill Brewing Company. And this is what they have to say about themselves on their website. Nestled at the base of Gypsy Hill in South London, we brew full-flavoured Moorish brews of the highest standard. Every decision we make is fed by improving quality, pushing innovation and engaging with our community. So they started back in 2013. So like I did a few weeks ago with the brewery from the Alps, here's a short timeline of Gypsy Hill Brewery. 2013. Employees, 2. Tank count, 0. Beer brewed, 0 hectolitres. Charlie and I, Sam, met at Craft Beer Institution The Rake in Borough Market. We'd both heard from a mutual friend we had the same plans, to build a brewery. We shook hands, drank some beer and got to know each other and penned a plan for our stake in the brewing world. 2014. Employees, 3. Tank count, 4. 100 hectolitre total capacity. Beer brewed, 500 hectolitres. We put all our cash together and leased the unit in Gypsy Hill, Charlie's backyard. We pulled in Simon in April. Stainless steel tanks arrived in May. We had started brewing half batches by July. We started with Southport and were 90% cask from the start. By September we'd introduced Beatnik. It was a crazy time. We wanted to make the best beer we could and learn the hard way how difficult it was. Every day we pushed ourselves. We changed how we brewed and we listened to our loyal customers. Every day we got better. Quality became one of the daily mantras that we built into how we operate. 2015. Employees, 4. Tank count, 4. 100 hectolitres. Beer brewed, 1,200 hectolitres. We opened our brewery tap room and started to welcome people into our brewing home. Community began to build itself into the fabric of what we do at Gypsy Hill. We started to hit our brewing stride. Dissident and Hepcat were introduced. Hepcat proved to be a hit and remained our best-selling beer for at least the next three years. We got a bigger bottling machine and began to move into small pack, getting Gypsy Hill bottles out far and wide. 2016. Employees, 10. Tank count, 11. 580 hectolitres total capacity. Beer brewed, 2,500 hectolitres. 2016 was a bit of a roller coaster. We opened our first bar, the Douglas Fir. We got our second unit and moved warehousing out of the brewery. But then we were struck by a crisis. Our original brewery floor gave way and began to rot. In the face of new tanks arriving, we decided to make a bold decision and pull out the entire brewery. Stop brewing for seven weeks and relay a new production floor. One that would stand the test of time. This decision really hit our finances at the brewery, but it paved the way for a new era. One of investment in quality, in staff, in good machinery that would ensure that we would be brewing and packaging beer in the best way possible we could. It was an infection point from us. A moment where we chose a harder path of quality and putting, instead of efficiency and scale, the beer first. And we've never looked back. 2017. Employees, 14. Tank count, 19. 1,240 hectolitre capacity. Beer brewed, 4,450 hectolitres. We more than doubled our brewing capacity this year giving us the potential to get up to 12,000 hectolitres in our Gypsy Hill home. We got two more warehouses. We built a separate packaging hall from the brewery and invested in a canning line. We stopped producing bottles and moved entirely to cans. We bought a new brew house that was double the size, allowing us to keep a smaller, better trained and nimble team. Instead of shift brewing through the day and night, we would still only brew once a day. 
We built a proper lab to analyse our beer. We built one of the largest cold stores for packaged beer in South London. 2018, so far. Employees, 19. Tank count, 21. 1,420 hectolitre capacity. Beers brewed, 8,000 hectolitres. In the first four months of 2018, we opened a fully accessible taproom so our customers and community could enjoy our beers on site. Getting the freshest Gypsy Hill beer you can get anywhere. We've released 12 special beers outside of our core range. We've built a pilot kit so we can trial batches of beers on site before putting them through the big brew house. We started a barrel aiding programme with four beers racked so far in a variety of barrels. At Gypsy Hill, we've refocused our vision into three core principles. Quality, innovation, community. Everything we do here bears these three elements in mind in the purest way we can. We're going to be collaborating with interesting and different partners who will help us emphasise these goals. There's a lot more to come in 2018 alone and we're really excited to see where it takes us. So where's your last two years guys? With 2018 to 2020? Hey guys, welcome back. Oh, here we go. My next beer up comes from Wildcard Brewery in London, Unite Tribute IPA. And it, what it says on the can, it says on the top, so it'll be really easy to read it from here. Brewed on International Women's Day, a collaboration between hundreds of women from across the brewing industry. This hoppy, hazy IPA is a tribute to English mathematician and writer Ada Lovelace, who is widely celebrated as the world's first computer programmer. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. It's 5.4%, it comes packaged in a 330ml can. Let's get it out into my glass, this time my Salopian Brewery glass, and see what I think. Whoa! I barely listed the tea tab. This is extremely, extremely fizzy. Alright, there we go. Wow, it's bubbling out the top again. Let's get this down and see what I think it is. Say hazy golden colour. Oh wow, it smells of passion fruit and tropical fruits. This smells good. Cheers everyone. Mmm. Ooh. Ooh, that is nice. Nice, sweet, juicy, fruity. Oh, I do like that. I do like that. Yes, yes, yes. There's a little bit of body on the back end, but the carbonation makes up for it if you don't swallow it straight away. Mm. Doesn't tap say it'd be interesting to know. Maybe it'll say in the magazine, it'd be interesting to know which Brewster's actually collabed on this. You know, I've seen ratings of this from three and a half to four and a half on untapped from my friends. Average from my friends is 3.34. Average rating worldwide is 3.66. Yeah, I'm liking that. I'm going to give that a four out of five. That is nice. I'm liking that. It's 5.4%. Mm. Yeah, really juicy, really fruity. It's got like tropical fruit. It's got like Pineapple, stone fruit, um, maybe a little bit of lime zest, um, you know, sort of tropical fruits and sour fruits. Alright, cheers guys, thank you for listening on the Beer Show and we're all wave. Cheers everyone.
We're now going to stay in London and head over to a queer brewery. The Queer Brewing Manifesto, written by Lily Waite. It feels weird to sit and write a feature about myself. As a beer writer, I spend much of my time profiling exciting and interesting producers, exploring trends and applying stranger ideas to the realm of beer and brewing. I'm also somewhat familiar with being on the other side, answering questions and conducting interviews about my own non-profit collaborative brewing initiative, the Queer Brewing Project. It's a queer feeling, pun very much intended, to be asked to profile my own work. Only two days ago, as I write this, my phone alerted me to the first anniversary of brewing under the banner of the Good Ship Queer Brewing on the 3rd of April 2019. I headed down to Affinity Brew Co in Bermondsey, South London to brew what would be the project's first collaborative beer, Queer Royale. In the 12 months hence, the project's taken me to places I never dreamed I'd be making beer, led me to people I know I can count on as friends, and taught me a number of things, on top of going so much further than I thought possible on that first brew day. As I approach the official birthday of the project, it now feels like a good time to think back on that first year. When I try and think back why I started the Queer Brewing Project, the marriage of a few years flirting with LBGTQ activism and my love of beer, I always circle back to one moment. This can still sits on my table bedside, wrote Michael Deakin in a message to me on Twitter. I'm reluctant to throw it away as it reminds me that LGBT people can make it in the beer industry and there's a place for us. Michael was talking about a can of Dinosaurs Will Die, a beer I brewed with Manchester's Marble Brewery to celebrate my exhibition in one of their venues for Manchester Beer Week 2018. On the can's label was a description of the exhibition's focus on my experiences as a queer trans woman, perhaps the first time queer and trans being used on beer packaging. Michael's message, alongside other positive responses from queer people, gave me force for thought. There was clearly a need for visible queer representation in brewing. Why couldn't I make this happen? I talk a lot, both in what I do with the Queer Brewing Project and in my own writing, about visible representation. This idea that you have to see it to be it. To my mind, it is, at least partially, a matter of safety. In a hostile environment, whether that's a homogenous, predominantly cisgender, that's people who aren't transgender, then your gender aligns with your sex assigned at birth, and heterosexual brewing industry, or the more broadly transphobic society in the early 2000s, seeing someone who looks, talks and is like you can be both life-changing and affirming. And seeing queer people like Jen Merrick and Emma Inch, both people I'm lucky to know and call friends, living open and thriving lives within beer, provided me with the evidence that people like me can exist in a heteronormative, male-dominated industry. Jen Merrick is also mentioned this edition of Ferment magazine. She runs a brewery in London called Earth Station, who are featured in the magazine but weren't featured in my box, so obviously the Earth Station are in the Lights Only box. But I recorded that entire article on Earth Station and then found the one to Earth Station beer in the box. <laughs> so yeah, so Jen Merrick is the owner of Earth Station Brewery. And Emma Inch does a podcast called Fermentation. She's really good. I met her at Barcelona Beer Festival last year. She was the first person from outside Catalonia to do a talk in one of the rooms at the beer festival. Because at Barcelona Beer Festival they have a number of rooms with people doing talks on various subjects throughout the festival that you can buy tickets for. And they got Emma Inch 
who runs the Fermentation podcast. And she recorded it for her podcast. Um, it was like a, a Q&A and education session. It was really good, really informative. I enjoyed it. And I talked to her afterwards and I met her afterwards. So, uh, that's who those two people are for people, obviously, who don't know. The brewing industry and the beer reviewing industry. We're Fantastic. Something for everyone. That said, I'd grown tired of feeling like the only one. The only trans person. The only queer person. Of course, that's not the case. There are other trans and queer people in the industry, but we are, of course, very much a minority. I can count the number of trans people who work in the beer world on both hands. The beer industry has, over the past few years, been addressing the gender issue. Because a number of women worked effing hard to make that happen. But women are still a minority. I'll just pause again there. Going back to last week's show, the article on Jaeger Wise from Wildcard Brewery. She is, it says she's into activism and change of the beer industry. She has been one of the most vocal, one of the loudest voices in this campaign for change. Back to the article. Diversity and inclusion, a term which I've long grown tired, has been a hot topic for the last couple of years, though little has actually changed. People of colour, LBGTQ and disabled people are still vastly underrepresented, not just in the main, but particularly in higher positions. I grew tired too of saying the same things over and over on diversity For me, I initially sought to use my artistic practice as a vehicle for social change, with visions of high profile gallery shows and mainstream coverage, with which I could progress queer and trans rights. As it became apparent that my career trajectory may focus more on beer than I once thought, my activism became more immediate and local, using social media to accomplish this. There is certainly a case to be made for immediate grassroots activism being more effective than that of highbrow intangible artwork. And as my people, then I'm happy with that. Still not quite getting the gist of that sentence, but there we are. I believe we have a moral obligation to improve the lives of others wherever possible. And if this whole project only achieves that for one or two people, then fine. Job done. But my hope is that one of the most popular drinks in the world, one known for fostering conviviality, community and conversation, as something that people will come together, relax and celebrate with, it can be used to impact real change. Whether it's through prompting punters to speak the name of an important issue every time they order a pint of a certain beer, or by signposting important charities on the label of the beer they hold in their hand, beer has great tangible potential to be used as a tool for good. And it works. At London Craft Beer Festival 2019, the official festival beer, brewed by myself as Queer Brewing and Brick Brewery, was named Preferred Pronouns. And throughout the festival I heard people discussing what pronouns are and what they mean to trans people. I can't say how many people took those conversations further or whether it helped them understand trans people, but it was something. Activism doesn't need to be huge gestures or radical changes. Taking up space as a queer trans woman, brewing beer in an industry dominated by cisgender and heterosexual men that in turn provides space for others and provides representation. The most amazing thing about queer brewing, that I certainly didn't anticipate early on, is the number of breweries wanting to collaborate, and the number of people lending their support. The initial aim was to brew one beer a month, totalling 12 in the first year. Including this week's remote collaboration will be 27, which works out as a prospective total of just under £30,000 raised for amazing charities doing work in anti-violence 
asylum seekers, trans and non-binary youth, and numerous other areas held within the LBGTQ communities. From the start, the aim was never to work solely with breweries with queer brewers or other members of staff. Doing so would only reinforce the idea that the responsibility for our social possession lies only in our feet. By brewing with everyone, it illustrates further that queer and trans rights is everyone's responsibility. Simultaneously, that leaves no restrictions. The worst thing for a project whose primary aim is social change would be for it to effectively say, no, you can't support us, right? The angry, exhausted cynic in me says there's been little to no change with regard to queer people within the beer world because it's a homophobic, transphobic industry and that people don't give a shit. In reality, I think it's more likely because there, for a time, were few things for people to fall in and rally behind. I've come to see people want to support activism in beer, but don't know how. It's been so amazing to see support come flooding in. Despite that support, there's still a long way to go. Despite a broadly progressive industry in comparison to the rest of society, women, LBGTQ people, people of colour and disabled people are still underrepresented and in some cases shut out of the industry and discriminated against. In broader society, hate crimes against trans people have been on the rise over the past year and homophobia hasn't gone away. We still need LBGTQ activism. Ultimately, my aim for the Queer Brewing Project is for it to become irrelevant. The hope that any advocacy or activism is, I'm sure, obsolescent. I'd like queer brewing to reach a point where it becomes unnecessary. That does, however, rely on societal change. Though my objective is to affect societal change through the medium of beer. I know for sure we won't be getting there on our own. So there we go, that's Queer Brewing Project. Good cause, that. So let's see what I thought of their beer. The name of this beer was a phrase she used in that article there. It's called Take Up Space. 15th of June 2020. Tonight I have a contract brewed beer from Beer 52 and Home Brewer QBBC. And I wanted to get this one drunk. And the reason I wanted to get this one drunk is it takes up space. Uh, sorry, that had to be done. Raspberry and Vanilla Spring Stout, whatever a Spring Stout is. 4.5%. Contract brewed at De Proof in Belgium. That seems to be their go-to brewery. As always, as it's a bottle, my De Heide Brewerie bottle opener from the Netherlands. I've got a right proper traditional beer glass tonight. I've got a beveled. Let's get the cap off this. It has a use-by of... I've been looking at the use-by. 25th of the 3rd, 21. So, loads of time on it. Right, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. Comes off with a nice swift action. There we go. Look at that. that is big black beer. It's got a two finger tan head. Right, let's get this down me and see what I think. Not literally, of course. I don't want to drop this black beer down this nice clean blue shirt. Oh, it definitely smells of raspberry. Cheers raspberry and vanilla, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely smells of raspberry. The raspberry sort of overpowers anything else on the nose, so. Cheers. Four and a half percent stout. Hey, that is not bad. 
This can take up space in my stomach anytime. That is nice, huh? Mmm. Mmm. I'm getting a little bit of the vanilla, not much vanilla. That's more raspberry than anything else. Brings down. Okay, let's try and read this on the back here then. Oh, it's something to do with Queer Brewing Project. QBBC's Queer Brewing Project. The beer that celebrates Queer Brewing Project's vision of increasing representation of the LBGC within beer and brewing. A collaboration with Beer 52. Every bottle will raise money for gendered intelligence, supporting young trans people. It's really nice, actually. Mm. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. That is nice. Right, I'm going to go. I will be back in a few minutes with the lockdown. It's very late. It's now 10 to 11, so I've got evening, guys. I'll see you in a few. That is nice, that. I do like that. The penultimate beer came from people like us. A very, very interesting beer. As we're through all the people like us content now. Let's see what Untaps has to say on people like us. People like us is a craft brewery run by autists, supported by Mikola. We're a sustainable business and we are proof that tolerant and inclusive workplaces mean business. We're not a charity. We do not hire artists to do good. We employ unique talents to make good business and to make a difference. People like us do not have to waste time doing what we do to not do well. We just stick with what we are great at. We are all good at something and with our own unique skills combined we make great beer. People like us will revolutionise the way we think about work. Please like us. It's interesting that they say autists rather than people with autism. Until I read through this stuff on people like us, I'd never heard autistic people referred to as autists before. The penultimate beer for this podcast and the final beer from people like us is a 5.9% IPA made with black pepper. It's part of the Thank You Beer Trilogy. The hops in this beer are Citra, Mosaic, Equinox and Columbus. I'm not going to tell you what it's called, I'll leave that to the review. Hey guys, all I want to say is don't come near me. Don't you dare come near me. I have a can of pepper spray and I'm not afraid to use it. Yes, tonight I am reviewing Pepper Spray IPA. A cracked black pepper IPA from people like us in Denmark. This is part of the Thank You Beer Trilogy. Tonight I am drinking a can of people like us pepper spray. This beer was in fact developed by Mikkel Bull-Bjerso and Per Mallard Jensen of Mikkel for people like us. Now contract brewed at De Proof in Belgium. It had previously brewed by Flying Couch in Copenhagen. And it contains water, yeast, citra, mosaic, equinox, columbus, hops, barley and black pepper. It has a use by of 18th of the 3rd, 21. That's your can. Mikola's guy has been mace. Right, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of. There we go, that's enough for, to taste, enough for review, which is a clear golden colour, very carbonated, it's got a two finger foamy white head. 
Mmm, smells yeasty. Not really getting the black pepper. Maybe I'll get that in the taste. Let's hope this doesn't make me sneeze. Cheers everyone. Mmm, that's interesting. Nice, sweet, and juicy. I think the black pepper's there right on the back. It sort of clings to your tongue right after the end. Wow. Mmm. That's quite nice. Really, I can't really taste the black pepper in that. But, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's nice. That. Mm. I'm going to give that four out of five. That is nice. Who'd have thought black pepper would have worked in a pile, but it does. And it's sort of a very dark golden colour. Not quite amber, but not quite light golden. It's like a very dark, dark golden colour. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm liking that. I'm liking that. Alright. I have one beer left from this box. Come back in a few minutes to find out what it is. Right, cheers guys, have a good evening guys, I'll see you soon. And our final beer this week comes from Gloucestershire, from Stroud, from Stroud Brewery. So I'll tell you a little bit about Stroud Brewery in their own words off their website. Our story. Craft breweries are opening up all over the UK. Each have their own story to tell. But we're pretty sure there's none quite like ours. Greg Pilly will tell you himself he has always had a disproportionate interest in beer. Stemming from an expert childhood where social drinking was often the catalyst of community building in the newly constructed and remote engineering villages where he grew up in Argentina, Iran and Jordan. Greg studied marine biology and drank a lot of beer at Swansea University. After graduating he worked for various conservation organisations in the UK and overseas. After two years at VSO as project manager for a conservation project in Nigeria, Greg travelled for two years researching the traditional alcoholic beverages of Africa, how they were produced and the social context in which they were drunk. This was with the support from Guinness Brewing Worldwide and subsidised by updating sections from the Rough Guide to Africa. Returning to the UK, Greg settled in Bristol and began working for the Soil Association principally as the project coordinator for the Cultivating Communities project. Working with the Soil Association developed Greg's interest in the importance of organic. Greg's interest in sustainable development, community creation and beer came together. He had a vision to develop a thriving, dynamic and resilient enterprise, recognised for its ethos of sustainability and producing a nationally respected range of cascales and organic bottled beers. With a family on the way, Greg and his partner decided to leave Bristol to find somewhere lovely to raise a family and set up an organic brewery. Stroud Brewery was established in 2006 and two months later its launching brew, Budding, was awarded Champion Beer of Gloucestershire at the Cotswold Beer Festival and remains our most popular beer. The business has grown steadily and now employs 20 people. To our surprise, Stroud Brewery outgrew its original site in all areas the brewery, the office and the tap. We could never have imagined this six years ago. We recently constructed a brand new building on a disused car park 100 metres away. 
purpose-built for our growing needs. It provides more space for the brewery, allowing an increase in production capacity, a larger office, and a canal side tap with the beautiful views of the Golden Valley. It's an exciting time for us. Our values. We've created a range of organic beers we're really proud of because they taste great and their production supports local farmers and the ecosystems they manage. The standards we must adhere to for organic certification support our ambition to be a business that cares for people and the planet. We are mindful of the environmental impact and take steps to be sustainable wherever possible. We prefer to use craft and small suppliers. Our biggest raw ingredient is malt which we buy from Warminster Maltings, a traditional craft maltster. Spent grain is sent to feed local and organic cattle, including pigs and cows, at Stroud Community Agriculture. Our spent hops go for compost. Some of our packaging goes to scrap school for schools to use. And our beer bottles are lightweight, about 30% lighter than standard beer bottles, saving on glass and transport weight. All the things you would probably expect from a dedicated brewery, but there is even more to us than that. Community has always been central to Greg's vision for Stroud Brewery. We make every effort to help and engage our community where possible. The way in which our business, and in particular Stroud Brewery Tap, has brought our community together is what motivates us the most. Stroud Brewery Tap is one of the top destinations for a night out in Stroud. It's welcoming and friendly and brings people together. Plenty of new friendships have been created over a point or two of budding on shared tables. We have organic locally priced food championing local suppliers. One of our most popular initiatives is the Community Hop Club that grows hops in their own gardens or allotments to contribute to our Green Hop Beer, Brewer's Garden. We are pleased to help local charities by supplying discounted beer and raffle prizes for the fundraising events and we hold monthly charity fundraisers. We welcome community groups to use our premises for meetings. And in an interesting measure, Stroud Brewery have a Community Hop Club encouraging people to grow their own hops at home. Let's go back to their website and find out a bit more about it. Get involved with growing hops. Every year we work with our local community to make Brewer's Garden, a harvest celebration ale, brewed with fresh fuggles and Golding's Cobb hops, which are grown in local gardens and allotments. Every spring we pot up hop plants and anyone can come to the brewery and collect one to plant and nurture. The binds are harvested in September and members congregate at the brewery to handpick the cones and endure a few ales. Growers who spend the day picking will receive 5 litres of Brewer's Garden for their efforts. In a good year we make around 5,000 pints of Brewer's Garden. Casts are eagerly awaited by all the local pubs and it is often one of our fastest selling beers. Having a green hop beer is quite special. We make it once a year because it tastes so good. We could buy green hops from a commercial grower, but it's a great way to get people involved with the brewery and a great community activity. A highlight of my year. So if there's anyone from the Stroud area listening to this podcast, I'm not sure how this will work this year with all the social distancing measures intact and all the COVID-19 prevention measures ongoing, but if you're curious, you can email them, beer at stroudbrewery.co.uk, to get involved. So we've come to the final beer of the podcast, and it's a German-style cherry stout called Schwarzwalder. Right, I have my last beer out of the People Like Us book for you tonight. comes all the way from Stroud. This is an organic beer at Stroud Brewery. This is Schwarzwalder cherry stout. It says, a rich, sweet stout porter, 
conditioned on sour cherries and molasses. Dark roasted malts add a hint of chocolate, evoking a certain dessert from the Black Forest. There's your can. Very basic black, red and white. It has a use-by of April 2021. Right, so let's get this out. Into my salopian glass this time tonight. And see what I think of it. Ow. God, that's on tight. Yeah. Wow. That key tab was on tight. It... There we go. That should be enough to taste. So that is very nice. Is it black? Looks, yeah, black. Um, it's got a one finger tan head. Mmm, smells good. It comes in a 330ml can. Let's see what I think. Mmm, it's not bad. Yeah, taste of cherries. I'm definitely getting that coffee blow on the back end. Cherry on the front, chocolate on the back. It's definitely weird. It's okay. I probably wouldn't have another one. I probably wouldn't choose to drink that. I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. It's not bad. Not necessarily my thing, but not too bad. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's anything you've seen that you think I should try and review, then you can get in contact by emailing cyberbeer at cyberbeer.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using at cyber underscore beer. Or you can find us on Facebook by typing in cyberbeer. And if you want to see the process in process, follow me on Twitter and Periscope. Periscope is just at cyberbeer, all one word. Or you can watch through the Twitter account or on the Facebook account, I go live on Facebook as well. On a Monday and a Tuesday, set your notifications because I never really know when I'm going to go live. Don't have a set time. It depends on the weather, it's sometimes afternoon, sometimes it's evenings, sometimes it's a bit of both. And occasionally I do a weekend as well, a Saturday or a Sunday, or both. So just stay tuned to find out what's going on. So like, set your notifications. So you're notified when I go live to find out where I am and what I'm doing that week. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get the next episode when it drops.